0: Welcome to Let's Go, where you will hear about lives that have been transformed by the power of God. You'll see and hear real stories of real people going to real places far away, whose lives are changed as God uses them to impact the lives of others for His glory. Get ready to see people experience God's love and power. Let's go. Welcome, everyone. My name is Tony Nardala, and I'll be your host today instead of Darren Slack, who normally sits in this chair. But for the last few episodes, we've been talking about the prophetic gifts, and this happens to be uh, you know, where where Darren hangs out. This He is a prophet recognized in his church where he's been for 35 years. He's also a leader of many of our prophetic teams in Heart of Titus Ministries. And uh, he seems to know a lot about the subject. Uh, Welcome, good to have you with us again, Darren. Thanks, Tony. Appreciate the opportunity to share on these things. Yeah, you know, we've been just having such an awesome time uh, talking about uh, the different aspects of the prophetic. Today, I want to talk about what the the goal of all this is. Where where are we heading? What what does a properly functioning prophetic gift accomplish
1: in the local church? Well, at a general level from the 50,000 foot level, you have an edified church, you have a built-up church, and who? What church doesn't need to be built up, encouraged, inspired by the Spirit to do what God's called them to do? And I believe that's necessary. And a lack of mature prophecy is it will will put a church in a position where people are reticent, they're not as bold, not as confident, and and but a church that's you know embracing the gift of prophecy will be more encouraged, more confident. more assured of god's faithfulness to them and uh, you'll see a different kind of experience
0: so what do people who are more confident they've received seven prophetic words in two months that they're supposed to go out and help in a certain ministry in the church let's say Uh, what does a person like that do
1: well i think by the second one they should probably be doing something (laughs) (laughs) Yes. if they're having to hear seven times we've got to wonder you know i think some people get enamored with the idea of receiving or giving a prophetic word, when really that's not the point. The point is, is seeing what the prophetic did in the New Testament. The best examples are in the New Testament book of Acts, and there's one in Timothy They really demonstrate what the gift operating can do in a gathering of people. And I mean, I think that's really important to talk about because just getting a word and knowing what to do with it, that's transactional. What makes it transformational is that I see the Father knows me, He sees me, He loves me, and creates an environment for me to be used to glorify Him. Now, Darren, that's so good. So, what are some of the specific ways that a a
0: prophet in the church, a mature, healthy prophet who's not looking for the glory, he's just looking to build up God's church and His kingdom, um, what are some of the ways that you see that that'll build up the church?
1: Well, as I mentioned, there's like five places in the New Testament we see prophetic ministry demonstrated by the early believers. We can't improve on what Scripture teaches in terms of this. Now, obviously, we can't make policy off of this. We're not building theology off of a narrative. We're simply saying this is what we have. These are the best demonstrations of this gift, and each of them in their own way represents something we can take away from it and learn. So the first one's in Acts 11 when Barnabas takes over Antioch, the first thing he does, being the son of encouragement, recognizing encouragement, calls Jerusalem and says, send a team. And they send a prophetic team into Antioch. Agabus is among them. And he stands up in verse 27 and he says, there's a famine coming in the land. Something is going to happen. What does the church do? Do they sit back and look down their nose at this? No, they, they sought the Lord received confirmation on it, and then the church came together pooling their resources to send uh, uh, money ahead to those that were in need and cared for those in need. That's what the scripture says. So prophecy wasn't used to divide in that setting. It unified the churches and their resources to bless those that had need of it. Acts 13, we have another demonstration of prophets and teachers together. Boy, I look forward to that day when we have the prophets and teachers together in the church working together. And what is what happens? Separate from me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have for them. Well, what does that mean? He set out one of the most prolific church planning ventures in the history of the world through that unity of the prophets and the teachers. So when they're together, the Holy Spirit provides direction and clarity that can be affirmed by the church, and the church responds. Acts 15, when the council was brought together to discuss circumcision. They were all very discouraged by the battles that took place over that whole thing. And here, Judas and Silas were men of faith and men of the Holy Spirit that God had sent along with the team. Bible says they said many things to encourage the brothers. Prophecy wasn't the focus. They weren't looking for a prophecy to decide the the disagreement that they had. They weren't looking for a word to tell them. They said what we did seemed good to the Holy Spirit what happened was is that prophecy came in behind the decision they made and affirmed and encouraged the men in what they were doing that is what prophecy is for is it encourages builds up brings life it's not intended to be the answer you know for everything we're doing because the holy spirit wanted that interaction to occur between those leaders so they could learn to be together acts 21 when when I'll talk about that a little bit later, because I think that one has special meaning when Agabus stood in front of Paul and prophesied about his arrest in Jerusalem. 1 Timothy 4.14, it says that, Don't neglect the gift I've given you that was given you by the laying out of my hands with the elders. So there's a prophetic presbytery that occurred at a gathering that Paul was in with Timothy that imparted gifts and revealed his ministry, which I believe is just a lost gift to the church, that I believe could be used again. So there's some just real practical examples, unifying the body, encouraging the body, serving the leaders, building up individuals who have callings in their lives and need to be affirmed by prophetic voices. And there's one more in prophetic uh, personal prophecy that I think is significant, but I'm gonna save that to the end.
0: Okay, well, what you just mentioned there, those four examples, I mean, I think every church would benefit by having those in place, I mean. Uh, that that's just an incredible way of building up the church. I mean, we have, uh, we need each other, is what the scripture says, and especially in Ephesians 4, the you know the reason we have apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers is to, you know, equip God's people to do works of service, which ultimately, if you read that passage, will lead to the unity of the faith in submission to Christ's headship. Uh, man, I, we we need that unity so badly but without the functioning of the prophets and doing those things that you just said. I mean, I mean, we could talk for hours on each one of those things.
1: Yes, you can. And I think just by highlighting them, you begin to get a real sense of how prophecy can benefit. Antioch didn't have prophets in, ver- in chapter 11. So they brought a team in. Acts 13, they had a team. Prophets and teachers were together. So two chapters later, what they didn't have they left behind something that was built in the Antioch church. And now they were sending prophets and people out as a hub themselves. So there's another example of how prophets can come into a setting, equip those that are present, bring the gifts out of the church and then bring them together to do something for their own church and their own place that can serve the the region that they're in so interesting to me that the prophets you're talking
0: about, Judas and Silas, for example, Agabus being another one, that they were sent out from a a larger community. Correct. Uh, Where does the school of the prophets
1: idea fit into all that? Prophets were always hanging out together in what are called companies or gatherings. And there's an assumption or an implication that that meant that they were training one another and how to use the gifts and how to be operational. A lot of discipleship going on there. I believe that is critical today, that same gathering of people together for the purpose of training. If you don't have a prophet present in your church as a pastor, do what we talked about in one of the previous episodes. Start with a small gathering of people who are interested and give them an opportunity to grow in their gifts. Bring a prophet in who is mature and who is tested and proven and have him help activate your people, educate them and encourage them and leave behind a group of young people or young gifts that can be matured and grown for that you can benefit from.
0: Now, we wouldn't want that group of prophets or young prophets to form their own little church or anything,
1: would we? Wouldn't, or shouldn't they serve in the context of a larger community? Of course, every gift should be cultivated the way I just described. If we have a bunch of people who give into hospitality, women should gather the hospitable people together to talk about recipes and ways to serve and how to improve the way you're serving in your home. If you have a gift of mercy, let's talk about how we can go to hospitals and care for the sick and care for those in pain. There should be a gathering of every set of gifts with those who are more mature in them within the church to create strategies and equipping for people to go forward. That's discipleship. My point is is that a lot of us are so busy avoiding it, we're not equipping in it. So what does
0: it look like? Let's say you raise up this group of young prophets and they they gain humility and they understand they're in submission to authority. They're very gifted uh, and they're not stealing any of the glory for themselves. Uh, What's the end result in the church? Where does that go?
1: Well, they they should in turn begin to create an an attitude within the people that they themselves should be growing in the, the use of those gifts as well. So in other words, each one reach one. So if I'm discipling five or six, those five or six should go out and train other groups that they influence how to be operating in those gifts as well. So if they're in small groups, they should be helping people in their small group grow with the things that I've taught them in our group. So there's this kind of overflow ripple effect where what I've trained people in, they go and do likewise in whatever small group of sphere of influence they have. But at a minimum, they should be going around and saying, you know, I was praying about you the other day, and this is what the Lord showed me. I want to encourage you. I think that um, we need
0: to encourage our
1: church leaders, pastors, and so forth
0: to make room for this gift. Yes. Um, traditionally, we've received our form of doing church over hundreds of years of tradition, which is fine, um, but the prophetic usually wasn't active in that history. And if we have something now that God is looking to restore to the church, we, we, we need to find a way that's peculiar to our context you know god will show us but we need to find a way to allow trusted people to bring god's word of encouragement and edification and comfort to his people
1: well that's funny you should say that cuz now in my service what the lord allows me to do is we have a new pastor who just took over a couple of years ago and he's doing a wonderful job uh, it's just been an age thing the, the guys have you know moved on and this young pastor's taken over and he grew up in the church he grew up around all the settings, and he's known me for his whole life. And he and I have talked a lot about it. But now what he does every Sunday, he'll come to me. What's the Lord showing you? What do you think is happening? What do you think we should do with this? This is where I'm going with the message. You know, so he's asking me prophetically what's happening in the gathering. What do you see is taking place here with what, you know, does that mean I'm going to stand up and go to the, the pulpit and share every time? No, I follow what the Holy Spirit tells me to tell him. And a lot of times, he'll, he won't have anything for me. I'll just affirm him and appreciate that he came. But a lot of times, the Holy Spirit will tell me there's something on his heart, something he wants to emphasize, something. And then he'll talk to the other elder that's in that gathering. And we'll, we'll just kind of have a little confab. And that happens when a word comes. That happens every Sunday. And it, it really what it's led to is uh, he has changed the order of service to leave more time at the end So we can have these conversations to know exactly how much ministry we want to do so we can leave time for the Holy Spirit to do what He wants to do. And that's every week.
0: That's really cool. You know, when we get back, we're going to take a break right now. But when we get back, I'm going to ask uh, Prophet Darren here about whether he's ever had an opportunity to uh, prophesy outside of the church context to the community at large. So we'll be right back with you. Hello, my friends. I want to let you know about an exciting opportunity we're making available to you. As you know, here at Let's Go, we are all about God using ordinary people to do extraordinary things for His glory. We believe so strongly that God has a plan and a purpose for every person who believes in Jesus, that we're offering a way to interact with you and help you fulfill your potential in Christ. That's right, the scripture teaches us that the Holy Spirit has been poured out on everyone, and the gifts of the Holy Spirit have been distributed to every believer. Many of you who are watching really want to be used by God. You have His fire burning in you, but many of you have so many questions and a few doubts and fears too. Everything we have done on this show has been to motivate and encourage you to overcome these fears and to find out what are your gifts, calling, and purpose so that you can be fruitful and effective your knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. So here's what we're going to do. We will be starting a series of monthly video conferences where we will encourage you, pray for you, and answer your questions. Our goal is to build your confidence that you really are a son or a daughter of God and that you have meaning and purpose in this life. We want to help you on your road to being discipled so that you will be an even greater blessing to others. We may even ask some of you to come with us on one of our mission trips. But the most important thing is that we help you overcome the obstacles to your service to the king, wherever he calls you, and we believe these conferences will help get you there. Visit our website on the bottom of the screen for the time, the date, and the link for our next conference. We look forward to seeing you there. Welcome back, uh, we're here with Darren Slack and we're talking about prophecy. Uh, Darren, we were just last talking about the difference between personal words of prophecy and then more corporate words of prophecy. Is there another level of prophecy? What if you took, uh, got a prophetic word for community or a nation, Tell me, talk
1: to us a little bit about that. There are people who are called to that level of prophecy that they're prophesying over the nation. I think it's important that people discern their sphere because there are different kinds of prophets. There's there's profits that are national, if you will, that are called to a high level of opportunity and favor. Then there's those who think they are. And unfortunately they lack the humility or input to to, you know, submit and kind of submit their gift to determine whether they have that level of gift or not and the assessment of others. Really, I think we should all assess our have our gifts assessed that way. Um, that doesn't mean you don't have a gift. It just means you need to realize that some are given 10 talents, some five, some one. Stay in your lane. Stay in your lane. Uh, some people are stepping outside of that, attempting to make themselves more important than they are. You know. So in other words, they bring a word out of out of context. So if I come to the church and I have a word about the nation, you don't prophesy that in a corporate setting at church. There's nothing edifying. That's not information the church needs to know. So you got to understand, well, what do I do with it? God reveals what he wants to do to his prophets. You learn to pray it in. You pray and you intercede, which is what you're called to do as a prophet. God's giving you information. You need to be an intercessor with that information and not act like you have to report it to the local media or something. God's allowing you into his insight. You better be prepared to participate in the intercession of what his will is for that thing. But I've been in situations where the Holy Spirit has revealed things that are outside the context of the church uh, in civil situations, be it a hurricane in our neighborhood. We, we have kind of a situation where hurricanes tend to come to us and sometimes the Holy Spirit will reveal something he wants me to know about that hurricane before it comes. And I've shared that before. I was in a setting one time where the Holy Spirit gave me a vision of water riding up to my ankles and I was walking a couple days before a hurricane came and I didn't really know one was coming because they're coming so often, you know, often, but he's like, you need to prepare the city for the hurricane. I'm like, what do I need to do? I mean, who am I, what am I supposed to do with that? So I took it to my senior pastor and I said, I believe the Holy Spirit showed me that we're gonna get hit pretty hard by this hurricane. He's like, well, would you be willing to share that with the, with the church so that they understand? I'm a native Floridian, so I'm like, oh great, I gotta go public with this. Now what if it doesn't hit, you know? But I went and did it, I shared, and I shared that I believe we need to really prepare as if this one's going to, this one's not going to turn, and um, then I got done. I was like very really proud of myself that I obeyed the Lord. And the Holy Spirit's like, Are you going to call the city? And He immediately showed me a person who I knew, who was a city commissioner that worked at the city. Are you going to tell them to prepare? So now the Holy Spirit's taking me to another level of faith, to obey. And I called him and I said, You know, you know me. You know what I'm about. I said, The Holy Spirit's really revealing to me that we have a potential problem here that we oh, you know, we always prepare, Darren. I said, Well, this one's gonna be a little tougher than we expect. He's like, Well that's good to know. Thank you for letting me know. He was very gracious. And then he's like, Okay, you gonna board up your house, Darren? I mean, there was all these steps he took me through that I because I was very casual. We we get hurricanes all the time. We don't ever react this way. And sure enough, it hit and it went right down and it I'm glad we did what we had to do because It was what he said it was. Water was up to the ankles. There was floods. There was a lot of damage done, and they were hit right in our neighborhood. And so for everyone that's come, there's been other times when he said, you need to add your voice to those who said it was going to turn and make it turn. So in other words, he'll have me go out in the backyard and look to the east and speak to the hurricanes and participate with the voices of those interceding. You know, not not to say that go hit somebody else and not us, but to follow the path the Lord determines. Those things, and we need to. Obey.
0: Now, this is a whole another level, you could say, of prophecy—a level of faith, really. I mean, it's all God, anyway, right? But I, you know, it makes me think of Elijah, who actually said that it's not going to rain for three and a half years, except by my word. Now, he's getting his instructions from the Father. It's clear from the Scripture that he just wasn't the weatherman who could make the weather do whatever he wanted, but it was a specific command, and he was looking to provoke a result
1: in the people of Israel. Whatever level of faith we have for what He's called us to do, we need to be ready for it. I was standing in Charlotte, North Carolina at the beginning of one of our football camps and the Holy Spirit asked me, do you believe what I've told you about the weather? Because there was a storm coming, it was gonna wipe out our whole evening. He says, I believe you. He says that if I've told you how I want it to go, not every time, but if you've specifically heard me, of what I've said, will you act on what I've said? I'm like, yes, sir, I will. He says, then speak to the weather. It's not to touch where you are. And <laughs> you, God's honest truth, I have, I have radar evidence of this happening that I literally stood on the field before the camp started and pointed at the, at the storm and said, you will not come closer than 10 miles away and you cannot come near us and stop the camp. I had parents walking up to me during the camp and going, do you have some sort of connection that we're not knowing about? like, why? They said, look at this radar. There is red and green everywhere around you, within, but not a single one within 10 miles, not a single lightning bolt within 10 miles to cause you to stop. What's going on here? Because you're supposed to not be out here right now. I said, isn't that amazing? That's crazy, isn't it? I didn't make a big deal about it. It was a step of faith. Now, does that mean that happens every time? No, I've been in camps where God Almighty opened up the heavens, and man, we had to run off the field because the lightning was going to nail us. Those are moments in which, no, it rains on the just and the unjust. The point is, there are times in the sovereignty of God when He includes us in steps of faith that others may not be aware of, that we're not going to sit here and say, can you do it every time? No, 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 no. On His Word. See, it's got to be on His Word that we act, not just taking a scripture out of context saying, I claim that for myself. No, when he says to do something, that's what I do. But that's not for everyone in every situation. And it's certainly not an expectation that I have that it's gonna stop raining because I tell it to. That's not how that works. It's when God says something's to be and we need to respond to
0: yeah, that. Yeah, that is, that is such a good illustration of the power of God, the role of the prophet, but also the clarity of understanding that it's not really up to us. It's we respond to what He says. Um, So, you know, you had mentioned that you wanted to get back to this story about Agabus in the Scriptures, and there's uh, there's some nugget you want to reveal to us there, but we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to hear Darren share about this story. Hello, my friends. I want to talk to you for a moment about a great need the Lord has put on my heart Recently, I went to Poland, to Krakow, which is close to the border with Ukraine. I stayed with my good friend, Pastor Andrei Hlopkov, who is a Ukrainian that the Lord sent ahead of the war to Poland. He didn't realize that God was sending him there so that when the war started, he and his new church would be a center for help for the refugees fleeing the war. The church has now also become a center for distribution to send food, clothes, and even portable generators to our brothers and sisters in Ukraine. You know that here at Let's Go, we don't normally get involved in ministry like this. Instead, we are focused on sending ordinary people to share the life-giving Word of God. But there are times when God moves on our hearts to help in a more tangible way. Truthfully, my heart has been so burdened for the state of the widows and grandmothers in Ukraine since the war started. As winter approaches, I know that many people there will be freezing during the cold nights because of the lack of power in their homes. I wanna do something about it, and I'm asking you to help. I have seen firsthand the work of Pastor Andre and Grace of Life Church. They have refugee homes, delivery vans, warehouses, all the tools they need to get warm clothes and power generators into Ukraine. They just need more money. So I'm asking you today to join with us in sending the money that our brothers and sisters there need to get through the winter. Go to our website on the screen and click on Donate and to specify Ukrainian relief. Or you can send money directly to us with Cash App. I'm just so thankful for your participation with us in this ministry. And I promise you that every dollar that you give will go directly to assist with the plight of our Ukrainian brothers and sisters. Thanks again. <laughs> Welcome back everyone, we're here with uh, Darren Slack and uh, we're gonna be talking now about one of the uh, four or five stories you said about how God reveals uh, the prophetic in the midst of the church for the betterment of the church, about Agabus, tell us about it.
1: When I started talking about the various ways prophecy can help bring the church to its full maturity, I talked about corporate prophecy You know, that Agabus brought, talked about leadership-serving prophecy. I talked about prophecy in teams that would encourage leaders in Acts 15, and prophecy in 1 Timothy 4, where we can do it over candidates for ministry. There's one particular prophecy, personal prophecy, that was given by Agabus to Paul about his arrest, future arrest in Jerusalem. He said he was in the house of Philip who had four daughters who prophesied. So Agabus went to this home to minister to Paul, And he said, you know, the owner of this belt will be bound. And he kind of gave this, you know, outward activity that he showed "and, and you'll be arrested and all this stuff. But he wasn't sharing anything with Paul that Paul didn't already know. He was confirming what Paul already knew. So why was it so necessary to go through all this, you know, theatrical prophecy if Paul already knew what was gonna happen? What's the point? And this is what I wanna leave with because I believe that true prophecy, when it's done right, will produce this, this reality. It wasn't for Paul. It was for the leaders of that church that would hear what was said about him because it would be the last time they would see him. I believe prophecy is as much about helping people understand where people are so that they can be loved and cared for as much as it is about where we're supposed to go. See, we should pay attention. We should go to school on what the Lord's saying to our brothers and sisters because that's how we should treat them When we hear God say, this is how I see them. We should take notes on prophecy shared. And the way we do that is by listening to what the Spirit of God is trying to say. Those leaders now knew this would be it. This was the time they're going to lose Paul, and they had to have their last words that they would say to him. How kind of the Holy Spirit. Not just to bring a revelation of Paul's impending arrest, but to inform everyone, hey guys, this is it. This is the last time you're going to be together. Let's make it special. And I believe that is the heart of what true prophecy should bring, is not just an awareness of what's going on, but how the Holy Spirit wants it to bring us together to love one another more deeply.
0: Wow, that is so good, you know. uh, Let's get past the hype and let's get back to the great commandment, right? Love God with all your heart, and love your neighbor as yourself. It's all about love, it's all about community. Our gifts are tools that God has given us, supernatural tools. To help bring about more love for God and more love for each other. And I just, I'm just so appreciative of how you've unwrapped this gift in, in leading toward that inevitable goal. And any other use of the gifts is suspect, isn't it? Um, so thank you, Darren, for sharing all that with us. And now I want to make available to you um, an opportunity for you to obtain this book. This has been written by Darren Slack. It's called Reclaiming Prophecy. And this book will talk about everything we've been talking about in the last four episodes of Let's Go and so much more, so that we can learn better about how we can appropriate this gift of prophecy for the betterment of the church. Um, On the screen below, you'll see our website. I wanna encourage you uh, that for any offering that you give our ministry today, we will send you this book. That's it, whatever offering you send. So I wanna encourage you to partner with us, uh, not just to get this book, but to help us continue to produce shows like this that'll be of blessing to your life. Uh, we have a Cash App on the screen. If you just wanna partner with us, um, we wanna encourage you to go to our website so you can register for our free monthly email newsletter um, and just view the resources on our website uh, on all kinds of topics about how to help you growing in your gifts and calling so that you can be of even greater fruitfulness in your walk with the Lord Jesus. Thank you so much for watching, and we look forward to seeing you on the next episode of Let's Go.